You know, we're talking about peace and, and the, the new, new way, way of living and the new life. And I was thinking about God's brought us, the fruit of the exchange life is peace. And, uh, you know, Jesus is coming back after a church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And it would be holy and righteous before him. And we are. And the new men. In First Peter, it says, when you see all these things happen, elements melting with fervent heat and, and all things chaos on every side, it says, be sure that you're found of him when he comes at that day with all the chaos that's going on. In peace, without spot, and without blemish. How's that possible? It's not in the old man. There is no peace to the wicked. But in the new man, he says, that when all this starts happening, you're going to be found in peace. Without spot or blemish. Why? Because you're exchanged. And you understand that exchange. So that's what all this is about. Is being, is our identity. Knowing who we are in Christ. Amen. In Hebrews chapter 2, we've been talking about the, the old covenant, new covenant, and what's the difference. And You know what we was talking about in coffee shop, Marion? We've been so ingrained with this old way of thinking that you just have to keep being bombarded over and over again with your new identity. You know, we talk about grace. You've got to preach grace and, until you see it, and after you see it, you preach grace. You just don't quit because uh, there is no, apart from the grace of God, that we have no hope. And so uh, Hebrews ch- chapter 10, we're reading this this morning. In verse 14, talks about Jesus. For by one offering, his offering, he hath perfected or matured into the process forever those that are sanctified. That is us. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever. And I was telling the guys, that word forever is made up of two words. That one word that it's in there is that word ice we've been talking about into. By one offering, he has matured you completely into, and the last word means eternity, forever. His offering put us into eternity forever. Did you catch that? To those that are sanctified in him. He is our sanctification. 1 Corinthians one thirty. but of him are you into Christ. But of God are you into Christ. Who did it? God did. Of God are you into Christ. Who has made unto you wisdom and righteousness and sanctification. And every other thing you can think of. Why? So that no flesh will glow in his presence. God did it. So we could be in Christ forever. For eternity. That word forever is there. You've been put into eternity forever. That is staggering. Wherefore, the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that, he has said before, this is the covenant. This is it. Say, this is it. This is the covenant I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws, where? Into their hearts. And into their minds, I will write them. That's, you know, Ezekiel 36 and Jeremiah 24. I will give them a new heart. And Jeremiah 24 says, I'll give them a heart to know me. I will put my words in their heart, and they will know me, and and I will be their God, and they'll be my people. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember forever. Are you awake? What does no more mean? No more. That means no more. Now, where remission of these is, there's no more offering for sin. 
There is no more offering for sin. It's over. It's done. Having therefore, all right, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness, holiness by the blood of Jesus, a new and living way. Say new and living way. You like the old way or you like the new and living way? See, the old way is, the, is under the law of sin and death. But the new law is the law of liberty in Christ Jesus. Amen. And it's a new, fresh, brand new, and living Zoe way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. Why we got a true heart? Because he's given us a new heart. In full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast to what? Confession or profession of our faith. And what does confession mean? It means to say the same thing. The Greek means to say the same thing. What? Hold the profession of our faith, faith steadfast. What does it mean to say the same thing? Say the same thing he says. We just read a lot of what he said. And he says, hold in the confession of your faith to say what he says. How long? Woo, to the end. Without what? Wavering. For he is faithful that has promised. And then let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And then 25. Not forsaking the assemblings of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see that day approaching. How many of you see that day is approaching? It is. You know, in the last day, it says, Many shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Seducing spirits. Deception. There's a way that seemeth what? But the end are the ways of death. 1 John. We see Jesus took care of this by one offering. He took care of this. 1 John chapter 2. My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. Now, if any man sin, we have an advocate. You see that advocate? With the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the perpetuation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Do you know every sinner that goes to hell goes to heaven, goes to hell with their sins forgiven? They just never received it. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. For everybody. It's a matter of receiving it. First John, in John chapter, uh, what, chapter 1, he says what? As many as received it. To them gave you power to become sons of God. It's already given. It just needs to be received. Jesus is the perpetuation. That means that Jesus satisfied the wrath of God towards sin once for all. How, how much did we read that in Hebrew? Once for all. The sin issue settled. Jesus took care of the wrath God had towards sin once for all. The punishment is paid for. Jesus' death on the cross satisfied the need for God to punish man because of his sin. That's staggering. So why in the world are we sin conscious? Because how much more shall the blood of Jesus purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Get you out of sin consciousness into life consciousness. That's what Jesus paid for so we could live every day of our life in that new realm of resurrected life. So we're not sin conscious. Through the sacrifice of Christ, he entered 
that new and living way for us. He removed the need for punishment and the fear of our relationship with him. See, that fear is a big issue. By grace, he taught our hearts to fear. Then by grace, that fear relieved. See, to understand grace is to understand that he took care of it once for all for us. Because perfect love casts out all fear, for fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. There is no fear in love. How much fear is in love? None. So, 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out all fear because fear has torment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now, if we build his kingdom and live the exchange life, we have to know how to live with God and one another without the punishment option available. Now, catch this. Without the punishment. There's always that fear of punishment and the punishment that comes when you fear. See, when somebody falls into sin, something happens to them. Most of the time, what what does the church do to try to restore them? It takes the punishment avenue to restore them. You've done this, so we've got to do this to punish you to get you back into the state you need to be. So it's a matter of time. It's a matter of rules and regulations to get you back to where you fell. Now, Bill Johnson said something that's staggering to a lot of church people coming from assembly background. He says you can't lose by your bad works what you couldn't get with your good works. Now, let me say that again. You can't lose with your bad works what you couldn't get with your good works. So why do we use the punishment aspect of this? Galatians 6.1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... And you could put the word sin there. It's, it's, it would be legal. You which are spiritual, restore that person. Set him right. Restore him. And reinstate him. What does that reinstate mean? Put him back where he was when he fell. With all sense of, in meekness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Fulfill you what? Bear one another's burdens and, and so fulfill the law of Christ. See, the law of Christ, we have the spirit of liberty in Christ Jesus. We're not here just to enjoy it. We're here to help everybody else that falls or, or slips away, side slips, to get back into this living new way. See, we're not here to condemn. There is what? No condemnation to those that are in Christ. So we're not here to condemn. We're here to restore. That's our job as the church, to restore one another in the spirit of meekness. What? Considering yourself. Who's above being tempted and pulled away? Nobody. Our job is to restore, not to condemn or set rules and regulations. What happens when we do that? Remember, God is what? He's not mad at you. All of his wrath has been poured out. He's not mad at you anymore. Our response to sin is based on our knowledge of the new covenant or lack of knowledge. Isn't it? You know, you see this. Galatians says, who hath bewitched you? Who has altered your belief system? Satan is out there. All he wants to do is alter your belief system just a little bit. And, you know, you you look at Galatians, and let's just look there for just a minute. Why was Paul upset here? Because the Galatian church was full of people trying to pull people back under the law. 
He even rebuked Peter because when, when Peter was doing good, but when the Jews came, Peter separated himself from the, the sinners, and Paul had to rebuke him in front of everybody. He says, if you being a Jew live after the manner of the Gentiles, why are you compelling the Gentiles to live after the manner of Jews? He says, you know, we know that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the hearing of faith. For by the works of the law, there is no man justified in the sight of God, for the just shall live by what? Faith. So let's just start here in chapter 2. Paul's talking. He says, 14 years ago, I went up to Jerusalem and Barnabas and took with me Titus. And we went up by revelation and communicated until the gospel, which I preached among the Gentiles. But privately to those who have reputation, lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of false brethren, unaware, brought in, who came to privately spy out our liberty. How many of you know there's, those things are still out there to privately spy out your liberty? To bring you back under what? Bondage. Which we have in Christ Jesus, that they may bring us into bondage. To whom we gave place by subjection? No, not for an hour or not for a second. That the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of those who seem to be somewhat, whatever they were, it matters no ma- makes no matter to me. God accepts no man's person. God accepts what? What is Paul trying to say here? God's not a respecter of those that set, keeps rules and regulations and has a special place for those that work hard. Paul's saying God has no... And you know why he said that? Because he was circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, the Pharisee of Pharisees, as touching the works of the law, blameless. But what did he say? That's done. That's what he said it is. Why? Because God accepts no man's person. And he says, For they who seem to be somewhat in con- con- uh, conference added nothing to me. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed to me as the gospel of circumcision was to Peter, for he wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of circumcision the same way as the mighty towards the Gentiles. When James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, seemed to be, he said, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the, the heathen and they to, unto the circumcision. Only that we should remember the poor, the same which also we forward to do. But when Peter was come into Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain came in, James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they was come in, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those of the circumcision. Fearing those of the circumcision. What is causing all the people to pull back today? Fear of what? Rejection. Fear of rejection when people start talking to you about certain things. What are they trying to do? Pull you back into wrong thinking. And he says, the other Jews... Disassembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried by with their dissimulations. But when I saw they walked not according to the truth of the gospel. When I saw they walked not according to the truth of God. What do we have a responsibility to do? To make sure we walk according to the truth of the gospel. And that our brothers among us all walk according to the truth. Amen? We are our brother's keepers. Right? Amen. I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as the Jews, why compel us the Gentiles to live as the Jews? We here are by Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. How would you like to be called a sinner of the Gentiles in those days? Still are. 
Knowing this, that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even as we have believed in Jesus, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found out to be sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. What? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroy, I make myself a transgressor. You see in there, he's saying, if we go back to that thinking, we go back under the rules and regulations with that thing. And he says, For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live to God. This is the strong verse we all talk about. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate, what? The grace of God. I do not make it void, vain. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in in vain. And we see what he's saying there. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whom Jesus was evidently crucified among you? This would I learn of you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now perfected by the flesh? Has anybody tried that? Marion, have you tried that? I got my hand up. I mean, he's tried to perfect by the flesh. I don't believe there's a soul in here that hadn't tried to perfect by the flesh. Why? Because your old nature wants to try to do something to help this situation out. And when you do that, what are you doing? You're frustrating the grace of God. You're setting the grace of of God aside. We have to see what he's trying to do. Having suffered so many things in vain, if they be in vain, he therefore that ministers to you the Spirit works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. What? What did Abraham do? He believed God. That's what got him the faith. The scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations of the earth be blessed. And that was what, 350 or 450 years before the law? He was in grace before all that ever started. What's the problem here? Who hath bewitched you or altered your belief system? Practicing two covenants. You cannot practice two covenants. Anytime you mix the two covenants, you make void both of them. They don't mix. It's like oil and water. You can't, you can't have the two covenants because they don't mix. Okay, in Galatians chapter 4, he goes on to compare the two, two uh, covenants. And look what he says here, uh, verse 21. Tell me, ye that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written, Abraham had two sons, the one of a bondmaid, the other of the free woman. But he that was born of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free was by promise. Did you know every one of us was born of two? If you're born again, you're born of the old and you're born of the new. Same picture here. He was making a picture of the old, but every one of us was born of Adam, wasn't we? Is there anybody here that wasn't born of Adam? I'd like to meet you. But it's not your first birth that matters. It's your second birth. Jesus was the last Adam, but he was the second man of a whole new living way, which he consecrated in himself. When he tore the veil of the temple, 
the veil that separated the old, the people from God. Do you see how thick that veil was? And it was torn from top to bottom. And you know what it says the veil was? His flesh. The veil was his flesh that he gave when he was crucified and said what? It is finished. The veil of his own flesh was that thing that was standing between us and God. And when that veil of the temple, when he said it is finished, immediately the veil in the temple was rent from top to body, bottom so that we can come boldly to the throne of what? Works? The throne of what? That we may obtain mercy. Hallelujah. Obtain mercy. How many of you like mercy? I like mercy. But if you stopped with just having your sins forgiven, you ain't very far. But then it says that you may obtain mercy and find grace. Find grace. Say find grace. grace. To help in time of need. See, the grace thing is there, grace upon grace, but you've got to find one grace to lead you to another grace, and the manifold grace of God is there, the many-sided grace of God. It leads you from grace to grace to grace. And it's the throne of grace, not the throne of works. It's the throne of grace that we come into by a new and living way. Woo, glory to God. I got sidetracked. All right, where was I at? All right. It says here in verse 23, But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was of promise, which things are an allegory, for these are two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which enters to bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar, Mount Sinai in Arabia, answered to Jerusalem, which now is, is in bondage with her children. Why did Jesus come to set the captives free? You know, there's as much bondage in Christians as there are in the world. Jesus didn't come just to just set the sinners free. He came to set the church free. The religious bunch to set free. He came to set the captives for open prison, them that are bound. And see, sometimes those prisons don't look like prisons, but they are. But Jerusalem, which above is free, is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice thou that barren, and bear not. Break forth and cry thou that travailest not. For the desolate has many more children than she that is, has the husband, saith the Lord. Isaiah chapter 54, which follows Isaiah chapter 53, that sets you free. And then it tells you, to hang on now. Hang on. I'm going to give you the blessings right here now. And that's when he says, what is he going to say there? Ross, remember that verse? He said, your sins. Huh? He's not angry anymore. He says, what, as a covenant with Abraham, I mean with Noah, as I have sworn that the, the waters will no more cover the earth, so have I sworn that I will not be angry with you nor rebuke you, saith the Lord. Amen. God's not mad anymore. He swore a, an oath that he would not be angry or, or wrathful with you anymore. Anymore. What's anymore mean? Anymore. That's a promise. Now we, brethren, as Isaac were, are children of the promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so is it now. I want to know, is any of you having a problem with the old persecuting the new? Is anybody out here that's not having a problem with the old persecuting the new? Anybody out here, the old, trying to pull anybody back from the new into the old? I see those hands, and I see those hands that are not raised. 
Because if you're breathing, you're having a problem. You know the new is great, but you have something warring in your members called sin trying to pull you back into wrong thinking and wrong, act, wrong actions. But you know, like Paul said, that's not who you are. That's who you were. You've been sanctified. You've been justified. You've been cleansed. You've been washed, made righteous. All right. Nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? Even though this is going on, Kent, nevertheless, what says the Scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. Sounds to me like she may be a little demonic. Is she just a little bit demonic? How many of you know there's only two sources? What did Jesus say to the scribes and the Pharisees? You have your father the devil. And the works of your father you will do. Because he was a liar and a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. He was talking to his most religious people of the day. What did he say? You're your father the devil. So what did he say do with the devil? Cast out the devil and her son. Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heirs with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but children of the free. So as a result of that, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, the freedom, wherewith Christ has made you free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, if it wasn't possible to be entangled with the yoke of bondage, would Paul have to say that? No, matter of fact, he just started talking to the Galatian churches. Why are you so soon removed from this gospel of grace to another gospel, which is really not another gospel, he said, but it's those trying to pull you back into that old system, that old legalism system. And you know what did he say? I wish these people were cursed. Is that stout? I wish everyone that's doing this to you is cursed. Behold, I, Paul say, if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you very little. Nothing. What part of nothing do we understand? For I testify to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law. Christ has become none effect to you. Whosoever is justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. You want to fall from grace? There's only one way to do it. Just go back into legalism. We want to make fallen from grace that you maybe stole or commit adultery or you do something else, you fall from grace. Scripturally, falling from grace means you leave the grace of God and go back to legalism. That's it. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but faith that worketh by love. In Christ Jesus, there's neither male nor female. Or, or, and he says there's neither Jew or Greek, for it's all about a new creation. Galatians 6.15. A new man. It's all about a new creation. It's all about, and he says, who did hinder you? Or what did hinder you? We got a lot of hindrances. There's a lot of deception running around out there, and most of it, a lot of it comes from within ourselves. Those voices trying to lead you astray. But we got to hold fast the beginning of our confidence halfway through. Steadfast to the end. That's the call that God has for us. Hold it. Steadfast to the end. Be not entangled with the what? The yoke of bondage. We've got two choices. 
to live a life protecting yourselves by rules and regulations or living the life in the spirit of life in Christ. And we've, what we said all along, when, when God came to, to Adam and Eve and they were hiding, and they said, well, where are you at? And they said, oh, we're, we're afraid and we hid ourselves. And he says, uh, we were naked. And he said, where'd you get that information? Have you eaten of the tree of knowledge I told you not to eat of? See, there's only two sources of information. Let me say it again. There's only two sources of information. Where are you getting your information? Now, see, every decision you've got to make is going to be coming from two sources of information. Not a bunch, just two. And we've got to learn to rightly divide which one's which. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. How does it line up? How does this thought line up with my identity in Christ or who I really am? I don't care what the voice says that I am, but what does God say about me? I say the same thing he says. That's your profession. That's your confession of faith you hold to the end. Amen? That's what we do. Oh. Where did I get to? When we start to obey rules, we allow ourselves to be defined as those of whom that covenant was given, sinners. The minute you start setting your rules and regulations on yourself to live up to certain rules and regulations to be better Christian, you've set yourself up as those that are ruled by the law and are sinners. When we do that, we define ourselves as sinners, and by the very definition, we are to be judged and punished. When we choose to go back to rules of the old way, we're saying that Christ's death was pointless and we're cutting ourselves off from the grace of God. And that's why Paul was so upset with Peter. How do most churches respond to this? And I just got through saying that. We set rules and regulations to keep people in line. Set rules and regulations. Don't, 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 don't. It's the gospel of don'ts. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. But that's not what we live in. You know, the, the fruit of the Spirit, you know, you talk about you got the gifts of the Spirit, you got the Corinthians is all messed up in a lot of their thinking, but they still didn't come behind in any gift. And, and then you got 1 Corinthians 13. All of a sudden, here's love showing up. How does faith work? By love. Faith worketh by love. And it tells you what love is. And, and I think I wrote this down, the message and amplified. And I want you to think, this is God, and as he is, so are what? We. Love never gives up. It's not always about me first. Love doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Let me say that again. Love doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Making a mental note of all the shortcomings people have made. Paul said, we don't know anybody after the flesh anymore. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Puts up with anything and everything. Yeah, but. Right, Mary? Yeah, but. It puts up with anything and everything. God says, your sins and your iniquities will I remember no more. Always looks for the best. Never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Takes no account of the evil done to it. Takes no account of the evil done to it. What does that mean? It sends it away. It forgives it. 
pays no attention to suffered wrongs. God is not mad at us. Ephesians 1.6 said he's made us highly favored in his sight. Highly favored in his sight. The old covenant, the law, was given to sinners to keep them in line. The new covenant is for us to have life and have it abundantly. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And from love flows all the other fruits of the Spirit. So which one you'd rather have? I'm going to stop on page two. Amen. Father, we just thank you for your word today. And Lord, we just ask you to help us to continue in the grace of God. And Lord, we thank you that we're, we're here. We're in this world, but we're not of it. But we are to be a shining light in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom we shine as lights in the world. And Lord, we just thank you for the boldness that, that Paul had in the midst of all those religious Jewish leaders and the disciples to speak the truth, to back up the truth of the gospel. Lord, let us be committed to the truth of the gospel of the grace of God and to stand for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Now you can go on vacation. I mean, uh, go have your family reunion. <laughs>